Hello. Hey, how's it going? Great. We're recording from my bed because oh, I, I feel like death personified today. So <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm drinking a mimosa because we're recording at 1130 a.m. today. Love that for us. I even have like a stool here next to me holding my orange juice. And your refills. I'm so proud of you. <clears throat> yeah, what are you drinking? Um, I'm having beer at 11.30 in the morning, but it's grapefruit <laughs> beer. So It counts. It counts. It's a fruit. It is a fruit. We love it. It's my favorite <laughs> beer, so. I love that for you. Uh, my dad bought a huge case of it. I'm like, hell yeah. Let's go. Nice, nice. Yes. What, um, what brewery is that? Um, it's not a... It's imported from Germany. It's Schlosserhofer. Oh, boy. Something like that. And he bought a whole case of it? Like, a whole thing. Like, a 24-pack. Like, he knew. He's feeling it. He knew. He knew I was going to drink half of it, so. Go off. How are you? How has your week been? I'm good. It's, you know, it's going. It's not been too horrible this week. I'm excited because today I'm going to go to Scarsdale and go to the Barnes & Noble kitchen up there. Ooh! So, very excited. That's fun. I'm very excited. By yourself? Or? Yeah, all of my excursions are by myself. I love Um, that for you. Those are the best, though. I like being alone. I don't know if (laughs) anyone else is out there like this. I'm exactly the same way. Love being alone. Like, <clears throat> I could go days, weeks. Before my roommate came back after this pandemic, uh, my one friend, I was here alone, my friend was like, so how long do you think you went without, like, talking to someone? I'm like, um, I don't know, probably, like, five days. I, I don't really keep track. <laughs> but I'm like, it was, I mean, it was fine. I yeah. enjoy it. I don't mind it. Like, I like being alone. That's what the best part of the beginning of the pandemic was, is I was living by myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I and like you. I had no responsibilities. <laughs> I set off the fire alarm alone a couple times. Like it's fine. Yeah, We're all time. fine, right? It's all it's all good. And my mom was very concerned about my <laughs> mental health, and honestly, I was like, it's never been better. <laughs> so yeah, you just got to chill and play Sims all day. I mean, literally, that's all I did. That is all I did for the beginning of the pandemic. It's insane. <laughs> But hey, I mean, some beautiful houses, so. Yeah, yeah. I think you ended up building me like one or two houses. Yeah, it was fun. Even though you don't even play, it was just like. No, I feel like I would like Sims, though. you would. If I played it. Now is the time to get on it, because I think it's only $5 for the base game, which it's like normally like 50, so. Right. Yeah, I don't know. You play it. My best friend Sadie plays it. Oh my God. Yeah, Love that. I feel like everyone plays it, and she likes Sims 2, that's like her favorite. Oh yes, a classic. Sims 3 yeah. is has a special place in my heart. I don't blame you. But yeah, I don't know, I'm just not super into games. I really liked uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon when I was like <laughs> That was my favorite, um, and I recently found out they have an app, so I downloaded that and played it for like a couple weeks, and now I have not played it in two months, and I'm scared to go back on it, because it's going to be like yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I just lose interest. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> my my um my interest with The Sims like ebbs and flows. Right. Like I'll play it for like the beginning of the pandemic for like two months straight, and then like I'll just stop 
and it will be like months until I go back to it and then I'll play it again for like three months straight and then I'll stop. It's it's fine. No, nobody dies. <laughs> I unless I make them. What? I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> so do we have any book news? Do we have? Um, no, but I have to quickly rant about this book I'm reading. It's called The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. It's a very popular book. It came out in 2019. I'm just reading it now because I bought it before the pandemic and then it got left here in my apartment. <laughs> so that's great. But it's it's great. Don't get me wrong. But this book is the strangest most fucked up book i've ever read are you gonna cover it or no no um i'm just reading it for fun i just don't want to like deal with the tabs and and yeah and it's a fantasy so that always is that's always an adventure exactly right but it is so fucking weird like it's the, the premise is basically there are secret societies at Yale in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this girl has been tasked with, like, she has to join one because she has, like, powers to see ghosts, which they call greys in the book. But, so this girl can, like, see ghosts and, like, ghosts can touch her. Oh, don't like that. And, yeah. And um, just, like, the things that this woman thinks up, like, are just insane. <laughs> like, the concepts... I should have read this in October. Like, I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting this. <laughs> but, yeah, I just had to quickly rant about that because I'm reading this book. I'm listening to it um, while reading it, and I'm like, this is fucked up. I <laughs> did not we were, know we were going Danny Darko over here. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Great movie. Great yeah, movie. But anyways, that's it for me. Nothing, nothing else. Yes. Well, that... I like that though. I like yeah. when a book is is unassuming, and when you're looking at it, and then you read it, and you're like, "What the fuck?" So, yeah, I'm definitely like one of those people who goes into books all the time, not <laughs> knowing anything. I will just randomly pick up a book, not knowing the premise. Just people will be like, "Oh, it's really good. You should try it." Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the premise of this one, just like Yale and secret societies. But then I'm like, in it, I'm like, "Holy, what the <sighs> fuck? What the fuck?" <laughs> Well, but yeah, that's exciting. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love that for you. Thanks. <laughs> this week, I'm covering Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. This is the cover. Ooh, that's a pretty cover. Book of the month. Book of the month. Yeah. This was my February book of the month. I just got my March book of the month. Nice. Which one did you pick? Oh, fuck me. It's on my desk. I can't read the cover. So, yeah, this one is a contemporary romance. It's not a YA. I would probably say it's a new adult, but not new adult in the way of, like, it's, you know, very, like, a lot of sex scenes and smut mm-hmm. and whatnot. There is some, but it's not, like, uh, it's, it's no, like, Sarah J. Mass or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's no Akatar. No, I've read Akatar actually. Uh, I read the first two books. It, I, it was not my cup of tea. <laughs> Put it that way. I love uh, her Throne of Glass series. This one, not for me, though. But, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. It uh, definitely is a book that I went into not knowing anything, and I thought it was going to be, like, a cute romance. Mm-hmm. And there is romance, but it's more of, like, a coming-of-age uh, story. 
Okay. So uh, just to jump right in, right off the bat, we are starting with absolute chaos. <laughs> Love that. Love to see it. Um, our main character is 28 turning 29. Grace, she is black. Her uh, mother is white. Her dad is black. Just putting that out there right away so we can get our, mm-hmm. our mind pictures correct here. Our mind maps, yes. Yes. Um, she wakes up from a wild night out in Vegas. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Hell yeah. As she thinks through the night, she realizes that somehow through the night, she's ditched her friends and had a whole adventure with a mysterious girl who she ended up getting drunk married to. Ooh, is this like what happens in Vegas with Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but I mean, they're both great stories. Yes. So, uh, even worse, she doesn't remember this woman's name. Ooh. How embarrassing. <laughs> it, like um, um, Carrie Underwood's song, Last Name, where she doesn't, I don't even know his last name. Very similar, except for she doesn't know any of the name at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, as she's looking around the room, she finds a business card for a radio show out of Brooklyn. Ayo. Ayo. In a note that says that if she ever wants to make this wife married thing work, to give Mysterious Wife a a call. Okay. Yeah. Mystery Wife's nickname for Grace is Honey Girl, because Grace's hair is honey gold. It's very cute. As you... Uh As you saw on the cover. Yeah. That's so cute. cute. They got nicknames already. We love to see it. <sighs> um, of course, this is when her friends Agnes and Zamina come barging into her room, asking her what happened with the girl from last night and telling her she needs to start packing because their flight leaves soon. Of course. Chaos. Absolute chaos. Uh, Agnes finds a picture of her and mystery wife at the chapel and is like, uh, ma'am, what the fuck did you do last night? (laughs) Grace tells Agnes that she's not ready to talk about it yet and to please not tell Zamina. Which she agrees to and she's like, "Mm, well, girl, she's going to find out soon, so you better (laughs) tell her. So then we flash forward to when they're back home. Home is uh, Portland, Oregon, by the way. They're literally on opposite sides of the country. (laughs) Right. Of course, we have to have some angst. (laughs) Back in the real world, Grace has just finished her PhD study in astronomy. Ooh, I know. A smart bitch. We love to see it. (laughs) And has no clue what to do with her life after being in school so long. That's fair. A mood. That's fair. I feel like we can all relate to this. Yes. Except for I don't have a PhD. Neither do I. But we can all relate to that. Right. (laughs) So we then find out that Grace has had an interview with a company before she left that her mentor had set up for her that didn't go well. They ask her a lot of weird questions about the LGBTQ and black clubs that she ran and was a part of. Okay. Yeah, right. So, and to make matters worse, her dad has been on her ass about getting a suitable job and her mom is a bit absent. They're divorced. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, background on these parents her mom is very much like a free spirit who's like traveling to all these like wellness retreats i'm like picturing like hippie yeah Uh um yeah and her dad is a strict military man who's a doctor oh okay that's very it's an interesting dynamic it's like yours mine and ours that yes 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 okay don't Um, like that (laughs) right no it's not it's not i'm picturing um 
Idris Elba as her dad. Ooh, okay. A dream. He very distinguished. Yes. Like, I just see it for some reason. I I feel like he could be a doctor. Um, So her dad, who she calls the colonel, seems to really be struggling with the fact that Grace chose to pursue astronomy instead of medicine and is constantly up her ass about it. So much so that he met with her mentor to ask about jobs. So right off the bat here, we are sensing some some toxic family dynamics here. I just don't think it's... I just don't think it's, like, great to be calling your dad Colonel. And he calls her, by her last name, Porter. I just I just feel like it's not the greatest. That's dynamic weird. To have, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, overall, there just seems to be a lot of pressure on Grace to be the best and have everything figured out. Yeah. Which, I, I again, very relatable. I feel like most people in their 20s have felt that way at some point. Absolutely. Um, so this all cum- culminates into a blow-up fight with her dad. Um, he reiterates that she needs to figure out what the best is and, and get it, and then he walks out of the room. Frustrated by this, mm-hmm. Grace leaves her dad's house because she's like, all right, bye. <laughs> um, also, I should mention, there are no trigger warnings in this book, but they have, like, a motto her dad does, and it's, like, uh, the... Uh, Porters want the best. It's something to that ex- extent. It's just like this motto. She like repeats it throughout the book. Porters are the best. Like porters have to be the best. And I'm like, this is just so not. Excuse good me, ma'am. Her. You married a stranger while you were drunk. <laughs> not the best. There. Well, yeah, that plays into the guilt because she's like, oh, I just fucked up. And there's a lot of internalized guilt in this woman. I feel. I feel for her. <laughs> so. We then find out how Grace and her friends met each other. Zamina was assigned to look over her dad when he was in the hospital for a leg amputation. So Zamina is like a nurse. Okay. And Agnes was Zamina's patient in the psych ward. I love it already. Oh my God. Agnes is very chaotic. I love it. I love it. She adds some spice to this book. Yes. Um, And they're kind of like, they formed a found family unit. Yes. So, of course, guilt is eating Grace up about not telling Zamina about her mysterious wife. Yeah. (laughs) So she tells Zamina and she and Agnes pressure Grace into looking up Mystery Wife's radio show Mm -hmm. that she left the card for. So they look her up. They start listening to the latest episode and instantly Grace is brought back when she hears Mystery Wife's voice. Her name is Yuki. Ooh. Yuki opens up every episode with, are you there? It's me, Yuki. And for the next hour, you are not alone. Which just, wow, sucker punched me right in the feels. Like, (laughs) this girl, you can just tell she's an empath. (laughs) We also find out that Yuki talks about Grace in her show and is looking for her. So, it's all very sweet. She decides that she needs to talk to Yuki ASAP. So, she calls her the next day on her break at the tea shop she works at. Ooh. I know. Love, love to get some recommendations, Grace Porter, for, yes. you know, tea. Both, like, actual tea and, like, gossip. gossip. <laughs> <laughs> they instantly clearly get along very well and are cracking jokes. Um, and they marvel over how they really did that. They got married in Vegas, like the cliches mm-hmm. they are. So Grace tells her co-workers at the tea shop that she works at who are like a family to her Mira and Raj about her marriage. And they tease her that she lived out part of a plot of the hangover. (laughs) 
I was like, they're not wrong. They are not wrong. They're not wrong. They ask her if she wants to get a divorce and she's adamant that she doesn't. She thinks the colonel will find out and blow a gasket. So she's just going to figure it out and handle it on her own. Sis. I know. I know. I was like, girlfriend, you are making it harder for yourself. You're... Ugh. Okay. I know. This book is a, um, a little frustrating because of, like, grace. I, it's meant to be. But yeah. I'm just like, you're hindering yourself. You just got in your own way. You would be killing it even more. So uh, Mira, Mira and Raj, like the supportive friends they are, tell Grace they got her back and support her, whatever she wants to do. Yeah. Now that she's dealt with this, uh, she goes to talk with her advisor about where she's going with her career. Her advisor, Professor McMillan, which I'm like, <laughs> trigger. Yikes. <laughs> asks her about the interview she had with her contact and Grace very politely says that it wasn't the right fit. Hold on. Now that they say Macmillan, I want to check to see who published this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harlequin. That oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> unexpected. Um, so yeah, Grace very politely says that it just like wasn't the right fit. McMillan tells her that she always has a place for her at her lab, but Grace says she thinks she really needs to just take a step back and figure out what she, like, wants to do and where she wants to go. Yeah. McMillan supports her on this and asks her where, where she saw herself when she started her degree. Grace says that she pictures herself actually where McMillan is, but now she's just lost and unsure. Mm-hmm. So McMillan tells her that she's one of the most hardworking people she's ever met and that she's earned the right to a break, which... I agree with. Yes. Everybody deserves a little me time. Right. I mean, what's what's the rush? Do we really? You just spent like, what, t- 10, 11 years getting a doctorate degree? I feel yeah. like you deserved some downtime. So, of course, Grace struggles with this, thinking that if she steps back now, she might lose her one chance. Worrying about this, she calls Yuki to get it off her mind. Mm-hmm. Yuki cheers her up by talking about subway etiquette because she's like on on her phone on the way to the subway and she's like, oh, I gotta let you go. I'm getting on the subway. And Grace is like, oh, can't you just talk on the phone in the subway? And she's like, no, only assholes do that. Oh, I'm an asshole. I do that. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Like, okay, if you want to step into the to the subway, to the car, like into the actual subway car. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, I gotta let you go. Like, that's chill. But if well, you're gonna like, have a whole ass conversation. No, I've. Ma'am. I've done it when I'm like talking to my parents but nine times out of ten you lose service anyway so there's like you can't do it to begin with right but, but it's yeah no I've done it <sighs> I don't care I'm a dick so we already knew that well there. <laughs> <laughs> that night Grace falls asleep listening to Yuki's show Aww. soulmates what can I say <laughs> The, the next day, Grace makes up her mind and sees the colonel tell him she's taking a break. Grace floats the idea out there that she could just take a breather in Florida with her mom. And obviously, that does not go well. Obviously not, because why would it? Of course. So, the colonel accuses her of being lazy and wanting to, to take a vacation and says she's just like her mom, which I'm like, great, just got to get... Ultimately, the colonel shuts her down and deadass, like, just dismisses her. He's, like, dismissed. Excuse like, me. She's sir. 30. 
She can do whatever the fuck she wants. She's 30 and she's your daughter. You can't just dismiss her. Like, sir, what? Um, so after she leaves, she calls her mom and tells her about this plan. And while her mom is a lot more gentle and understanding, she also thinks this isn't a great idea. She thinks Grace is trying to run away from her problems. Which, like, I can kind of see where she's coming from. But again, I'm like, can't you understand? Like, don't you understand? Your daughter is literally at her wit's end. Like, yeah. So this obviously de- devastates Grace and sends her into a thought spiral. And oh, those are bad. I know. I know. And she ends up having like a somewhat nervous breakdown, like scratching at her arms and just like having a panic attack. Love that. Right. This leaves Grace incapacitated for days, calling into work because she's so upset and can't leave bed. Mm-hmm. Yuki ends up like calling her after it had she had been so quiet for so long. And after explaining... Grace explaining that she's not been feeling her best and uh, quoting to her the Mars Rover's last words, my battery is low and it's getting dark, which is like (sighs) so sad. They talk about how scary it is to get to the end and realize there's more work to do. Mm -hmm. This pushes Grace to ask Yuki if she can come stay with her in New York over the summer. And Yuki says yes. Yay! We love that. Love a book set in New York. What can I say? After telling her work, who are nothing but supportive, um, and lying to her parents, telling them she has a, a research uh, opportunity in New York, she, uh, she ends, she lands in LaGuardia, and Yuki Oof. has this great line, which goes, they're texting. So Grace texts, I'm outside. I can't tell if this is worse or better. Yuki says, it's LaGuardia. Outside is better. Which <laughs> <laughs> killed which me. Which true. It's so true. Although they have remodeled LaGuardia. In some parts. It's so nice. Yeah. No, no, they finished. Oh, really? Yeah, because I just uh, was in there when I flew back. Yeah. But it's so nice now. They have finished all the construction. About damn time. I I know. It's been like fucking 10 years. But I still appreciate that dig at LaGuardia because I still hate it. (laughs) Only thing worse than going to LaGuardia is going to Newark. I refuse to go to New York. Not Newark. Newark. JFK is the easiest for me because I can just take the LIR to Jamaica and then take the Sky Tram. Right. So it's like my parents don't even have to drive in. So. Right. I feel you. I mean, same thing for me. I can just take Mm -hmm. the, like, the subway to the air air tram and then get right there. Otherwise, to get to LaGuardia, you have to take the the subway and then take a bus (laughs) to 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 the terminal and it's just... I hate it. I hate yeah. it so much. No. So, not to mention, I find JFK way easier to navigate. Oh, absolutely. Maybe that's just because I've been there a million times. So, Yuki brings Grace to her apartment and tr- introduces her to her roommates, Dorian, Fletcher, and Sani. Okay. They they describe Fletcher as their token white boy who they will kill first in the class wars, which really killed me. I was like, <laughs> mood. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of them, I can't remember. One of them is, I think, trans. Fletcher is LGBT. I think he might be gay or bi. And then Dorian is like the only straight one, which <laughs> I was like funny. Also love the name Dorian. Just got to put that out there. Yeah. Picture of Dorian Gray is one of my favorite books. Nice. I was actually thinking of uh, Throne of Glass. The One of the main <laughs> characters' name is Dorian. <laughs> so Two types of people in this world. Right. So, uh, while with Yuki, Grace realizes that 
while she still has no clue what to do with her life, being with Yuki is easy. Mm-hmm. Yuki tells Grace that if Yuki tells Grace that it terrifies her how easy it is with her, she wants to come home to her to kiss her and to let her in. Aww. Grace, t- I know Yuki is just such a like a pure like empath soul. <laughs> like, I just love it. Grace tells her that maybe that's a good thing and that she was terrified to go to New York. Yuki asks if she was terrified to go there or terrified of her. And Grace says she doesn't know, which like hurt my heart a little bit. Cause I was like, you don't have to be scared of Yuki. <laughs> um, they end up agreeing that they don't want to be scared of each other. And that while yes, they're a mess, they're each other's messes. You're goddamn right. They are a very millennial mood, <laughs> even though I'm not a millennial, but I'm zillennial. So Neither of us are. So it's true. You just make the cutoff. Good for you, fam. I just made it, sis. I refuse to be either one. Same. I love that. I feel like that's like a, a joint thing with like our whole, the whole zillennial yeah. subge- uh, subgeneration. They don't want to like, be either. Yeah. We're like adamant. We're like, do not call me a millennial. Do, do not, not call, call me, me Gen, Gen Z. Z. I am my own goddamn person. <laughs> right. So... Grace also goes with Yuki to watch her record her show. Yuki's Yuki's show, I don't think I mentioned, is like about mo- monsters, legends, and folklore. Trademark Taylor Swift, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Album of the year, 2021. Chugs the rest of her drink. <laughs> I've only had one of these. Good for you, sis. You know what? Refill. Pop that shit. Yep. This reminds me of when you, me, and Kayla went and got mimosas. And we got way too drunk and we Kayla. got so drunk. Yeah, that was fun, though. That was so fun. I can't wait. We should do it again soon. Yeah, when the weather is better. Oh, when it's absolutely. Warmer. So, while they're in New York, Grace and Yuki visit a space museum and go monster hunting um, at Lake Champlain together. Which, fun uh-huh. fact, Lake Champlain used to be considered a great lake. That's I didn't know it fact. wasn't, so... No, the Great Lakes are, are not. No, unfortunately. Champlain, Great Lake Champlain is a pretty cool lake, though. <laughs> Where is As it? As a Great Lakes, um, it's like upstate, like, um, I feel like it's kind of up, it's not in Watertown, but it's up more towards that way. Okay. Yeah. Damn, they went far. Yeah, let me, hold on. I'm going to look up exactly where it is. Because it's not far. Oh, shit. Lake Champlain. Okay, it's in Vermont. Yeah, so I was right. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so that's a far-ass drive. It's, like, not far from... It's, like, right near Burlington, Vermont. Oh. Yeah, that's far. Yeah, I would not... I would not be taking that drive, but... Nope. Teach their own, I guess. So, they go to those two places, and they each talk about their respective fields, which for Grace, it's astronomy, and for Yuki, it's history. Mm. She's a history buff. How fitting. (laughs) Yuki tells Grace that she's a phenomenal teacher and an even better astronomer. Grace is, uh, which is at the museum, Mm -hmm. because it's a science museum, obviously. (laughs) I've never heard of the museum that they went to, by the way. It sounds really dope, though. (laughs) 
Grace is skeptical about this monster hunt. And when they don't end up finding anything on their hike, she asks Yuki if she really believes in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yuki is obviously a little hurt by this. And you get the feeling that for Yuki, it's more of the fact that she's listening to people who write into the show because we're all lonely at some point. She wants them to know that they're they're not alone. Like I said, empath. <laughs> Yuki just really loves giving comfort to people in the end, to be honest. And ugh, there's this like really nice quote from page, page 160 mm-hmm. that I, I marked with my one last flaggy in here. Um... So this is Sani explaining to Grace, like, why this means so much to Yuki. Someone wrote in to say there was a monster at the bottom of that lake, Sani continues. It doesn't matter to Yuki if it is there or not. What matters is she walked through the same woods they did and sat on the same dock they did. The same sand under her feet, the same seaweed creeping up from under the water, you know. He grabs one of her hands with rare, genuine uh, solemnity on his face. Are you there? Are You There isn't about monsters. It never has been. Don't you get it? It's about people. Every episode is about people. So, very cute. Again, empath. <laughs> A few weeks later, Raj drops by her friend from the tea shop, mm-hmm. who he's the son of the tea shop owner, Baba, which okay. is just, you know, father. Um, he drops by for a surprise visit because his dad is looking at opening up a tea room in, get this, Boston. My city. My My city, I know. We love it. They go out and get wasted. Hell yeah. (laughs) And things get a little too real. Um, Raj says he hates the tea room and resents it because it took away his dream of pursuing medicine. Because while he was going to school, his mom was like super sick, like with cancer, Mm -hmm. and she ended up dying. And afterwards the only thing that like made his dad super happy was the tea room Mm -hmm. so he dropped out or he didn't get to pursue medicine which is what he wanted to pursue because he knew he had to take over the tea room from his dad when Mm -hmm. he retired so then he starts going in on grace basically accusing her of running away from her responsibilities (laughs) he's fucking rude Yeah, he's clearly jealous and upset that Grace had the opportunity to study medicine and she turned it down for, like, astronomy. So Grace kind of reads, like, the riot act to him and tells him how the job she was supposed to get insinuated that she hadn't done any of the work and then spewed some BS about her black and LGBTQ groups um, advocated for division Mm -hmm. and that they they don't foster it environment of division here like that's not in our company culture like shut the fuck up what yeah 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 because they're like you know i guess because they're like well that's an ex- it's a group that i don't know it's just fucked up like yeah. it makes no sense you just you just don't want to let people who are different in like, yeah get out of here so so no she's not expecting things to be handed to her raj yeah <laughs> Raj apologizes and tells her he's clearly misplacing its feelings and that he didn't mean it and then he's just drunk, bitter, and jealous. So no, they, they make three words to describe me. Yeah. <laughs> so they end up making up over the breakfast in the morning and <laughs> I like the autocorrect said it says as they hit it out it's supposed to be hug <laughs> i don't know why it corrected to that 
As they hug it out, Raj apologizes profusely and tells her he was super wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't believe any of the shit he said. Um, So, eventually, August comes around, and with that comes Grace's birthday. Ooh, she's a Leo. Yes. Well, I think her birthday's the 19th. Yeah, she'd still be a Leo. Leo. Yeah. So... I'm like thinking now, when does cancer cut off? It's got to be early August, right? No, because my sister is August 7th and she's a Leo. Oh, so Leo starts in July then? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Like end of July. Interesting. Yeah. So it starts off with her waking up with Yuki by her side after a night of birthday sex. Hey! Love to see it. Uh, Get it, girlfriend. It's your birthday. You can do what you want. As she's scrolling through her notifications, she comes across an email from Professor McMillan. Ooh. I know. I'm like, ooh. She low-key kind of freaks out because the first line says it's about the last conversation they had regarding the job that she got turned down from. Mm-hmm. Grace tells Yuki that maybe this is her chance um, and that not getting that job really derailed her entire life plan. So if she can actually land it, everything will be just how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yuki is like... Um, sis, they were racist. You don't want to work for them. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just very confused, just like I am, as um, and is actually like kind of distressed because uh I don't know, why would you want to work? Exactly. The... Yeah. So Grace is like, let me just read this email and see what it actually says before we discuss this. Yeah. Professor McMillan's email bears two offers. One of a faculty position in Ithaca. Ooh. Upstate represent. Perfect. Right, at a small but formidable team. And the other is the place she previously interviewed at who offered to give her a second chance with a blank slate. Quote, unquote. I doubt that. That's true. Instantly, Yuki is thrilled because while Ithaca isn't super close, it's leagues closer than Portland is. Yeah. Grace, however, seemingly won't even consider it because she says that since they're small, they're probably underfunded. She says she's worked too hard to settle. Which, Bitch. Yes. Let me just take a moment here. Like, I I don't, I'm just like, I get, I got so frustrated with Grace in the middle of this book because I'm like, okay, I know this isn't what you wanted. And okay, maybe this isn't the best place ever to work at. Yeah. Like, this is a foot in the door. That's exactly. A, yes. Right. And it's like, there, she has this like idea stuck in her head that she has to get the best thing like right off the bat like because she's been like trained into it yeah to thinking that she has to have the best thing has to be the best all the time but it's like you it's there's nothing wrong with working towards getting to that position you don't have to start off right where you're supposed to be yeah like and just like she has a PhD, which I think really even furthers that thinking because she's like, well, I have a PhD. I shouldn't have to settle, which, like, is fair to some extent, but also, like, you don't have any other, like, work experience yeah. other than working at her professor's lab. Yeah. I actually have a... There might be a reason I'm a little more annoyed with Grace than maybe the normal person because <laughs> I have a friend who's very similar to this. She, like, lives for school. This. I know. I'm like, just because you have a PhD doesn't mean you can automatically just get whatever job you want like it's very it's still similar to every what everyone else has to do except for like you should clearly be getting paid more because you have a phd so (laughs) that's just my rant on that (laughs) (laughs) yuki 
obviously gets upset asking her what best means for her since she's turning down an opportunity before she even gets it, gives it a chance. And Grace comes back with, well, you just think this is fine since it's in New York. And so Yuki hits her with, since when is easier such a bad thing? Um, Yuki just wants her to stay and that if this summer has taught her anything, it's that she loves her, which... No! So cute. It's... This is heartbreaking. <laughs> Grace tells Yuki that she doesn't change... That that doesn't change anything for her because she has to be the best. I know. I know! Oh, okay, maybe Yuki starts, deserves better. Right for Yuki. <laughs> she starts... She starts getting, like, worked up and is, like, scratching at her arms, so she's clearly, like, having another panic attack. Yuki asks her point blank if staying had ever been a possibility, and Grace tells her that she wants to try and have both Yuki and her career, but she can't settle for less. Ew. I'm like, girl, your mental illness is really getting the better of you right here. It's mental illness, isn't it? (laughs) Yuki tells her that her definition of best doesn't fit anymore, and that something can be best just because it makes you happy, not because you've had to destroy yourself to get there. Yeah. And then leads Grace to simmer on that. Grace decides that she doesn't want to be there when Yuki gets back, so she decides to pack her things and book a ticket to Florida. What the fuck? What the fuck? I'm like, girlfriend, well, you're leaving the state? <coughs> Talk about running from your problems. Literally, I'm like, you couldn't just, like, take a breather, take a walk around the block? I mean, no, nope. Gotta go big or go home, I guess. So Grace's mom's fiance, Kelly, picks her up from the airport when she lands and brings her home to her mom. After she tells her mom she doesn't want to talk about it right now, her mom suggests that they split a bottle of wine that night, but tomorrow they talk about it. Hell yeah, that's mother of the year. I literally wrote mom of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Me. Me as a mom. She, so she, Grace checks her phone in the next morning and sees that her friends have all texted her, worried about her. And Yuki texted her saying, I didn't know when you said you didn't believe in monsters, you meant you didn't believe in me too. Which I'm like, oh, this book is very like prettily written. Yeah. The prose is out of this world, especially, I'm pretty sure this is that uh, Morgan, Morgan Rogers first book. It's her debut. So impressive. Impressive. So that line just big sad made me <laughs> real upset. <laughs> big sad. <laughs> Horrible. Grace and her mom then go for a walk through the orange or- orchards that she takes care of. And Grace, Grace breaks down and tells her mom that she's feeling lost. Uh, she hates not having things figured out. And she feels like she should be trying harder and wants everything to be perfect. It's clear that this has been bottling up for years because she didn't want to bother anyone. Her mom apologizes for not always being around and being kind of absent and promises that she'll help with this. So Grace tells her the tale of her and Yuki, Mm -hmm. which I'm like, it's like Romeo and Juliet up in here. (laughs) So we find out that when Grace was younger, after her parents got divorced, she started acting up not and not wanting to be like either of her parents. She just is like, I'm just going to tear shit up and just runs with the Rightfully. wrong crowd. Right. And just gets involved with not great people. So this is when the colonel sat her down and laid out his plan for her. And ever since, she's been set on this course of following mm-hmm. it. So basically, she's just been doing this all out of obligation and guilt for her dad. To, like, to her. Yeah, yeah. For her dad. 
She felt like she couldn't mess up because both of the pressure of the colonel and her program, since they clearly thought she didn't belong. Oh. Right. So during the course of her education, universities and academics in her field have ripped her apart during her thesis defense. Multiple academics complained to the board of, at a conference she was at, getting her, uh, making her, and they made her leave early. Pro- Professor McMillan toted her as a star student, but none of the recruiters would take her seriously. So this all culminated into Grace developing this need to be perfect and, and the best, and when she's not, she feels worthless. After hearing this all, her mom suggests talking to someone about it, which, hello, bitch, that's what she's doing with you. Well, she means like a therapist, <laughs> right? <laughs> Duh. Like a professional. <laughs> like, not me, bitch. Take your problems <laughs> elsewhere. So Grace agrees to start looking. And that night, she shoots a message to her group chat telling them she's fine. She's with her mom and figuring shit out and then turns her phone off. Stop it. You're like 30. Just Stop. <laughs> She wants to be left alone. Don't we all, though? Yeah, for real. Then she sets off on trying to find a therapist. The first couple are bust, are bust, wanting to talk about praying it away, and then the other one wants to talk about America's military-industrial complex. What the fuck? Because she talks about how her dad is in the military, and... So, yeah, that brought it up, apparently. <laughs> and Grace is like, well, that yes, that is important. I would like to not talk about that during my therapy <clears> sessions. <throat> Thank you. So she eventually finds her perfect fit with Heather, who is an older black woman. I am picturing Michelle Obama for some reason. Oh, I love Michelle Obama. Probably because they, like, describe this Heather with, like, really great hair and, and like, very educated and, like, smart. So, like, probably why I'm picturing Michelle Obama. Obviously. Obviously. Heather is a good listener and very upfront about things. She tells Grace that together they're going to figure out what getting better will look like for her. Then we get a flashback of Grace trying to express to the colonel that she's not okay, in which he tells her that he's gone through the military and how you get through tough shit is by by pushing through it because if you don't, they'll you'll lose everything and they'll take everything away from you. Oh, so basically this is all the dad's fault. The projection is just, there's a lot of complex family dynamics in this book, let me tell you. Grace just doesn't want to feel like the world is ending when she takes a a breather and wants to take care of herself. Heather reassures her that her feeling this way makes sense because black women are conditioned to work twice as hard to end up where they want to go, but aren't really allowed to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most women probably experience that to some extent. Yeah. So I feel like that is like very relatable to the female uh, experience. So I, I can only assume that that's very accurate to a black woman's experience. Yes. Suddenly it's October and Grace's mom is telling her that she should call the Colonel, but Grace is scared, scared. He'll be angry, scared to confront him and scared. He won't forgive her. She finally works up the courage to call him and tells him there was never any project in New York and that he wasn't listening to her when she told him she needed a break. She really gives him a piece of her mind, and I'm, like, here for it. Like, you go, Grace Porter. You tell him. Eventually, her dad asks if she thinks he isn't proud of her. 
To which she's like, well, yeah, you're constantly telling me I need to do better. So, like, what else am I supposed to think? You walked out of my graduation. Oh. Like, <laughs> Colonel, the colonel says that what he saw that day was all these white parents who are clearly connected and would and could do anything for their kids. And he didn't blame them, but it made him so angry because he couldn't do that for her. He had connections in medical school, but there, there was nothing he could do for her. And he knew in that auditorium how hard it would be for her. Grace is obviously very shocked because he's never said anything about this over the years. Mm-hmm. To which Colonel ins- the colonel insists he's been telling her for years, but she wasn't listening. Which I'm like, all right, pack it up. <laughs> Grace tells him that she's been seeing a therapist and got diagnosed with cool guy pers- syndrome. <laughs> now I take Adderall. <laughs> No, unfortunately, she she got um, diagnosed with major depressive disorder and anxiety. A double whammy, if you wow. will. So, um, and she also tells him that he's always told her to just grit her teeth and smile through it. But she, now she's sleeping in her childhood bed, sees a therapist once a week, and is on medication. All because she pushed herself too hard following his plan. Like, she is just spitting facts. <laughs> uh, the colonel says that... They had a plan, and all he wanted was for her to go further than people expected. And then he can't feel bad about that, to which Grace says she wishes he did feel bad, and then, like, hangs up. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a lot of just, like, intergenerational trauma working here. Like, her dad has trauma from when he's a black man in the military trying to become a doctor because he knew if he gave up any opportunity, they gave him everything would be taken away and they would take any chance they could get to like just use that against him Mm -hmm. and be like well oh since you can't handle this i'm not gonna give you the promotion or i'm not gonna let you into whatever Mm -hmm. so there's that working and then grace is still obviously experiencing racism in her own field yeah this is a lot a lot of intergenerational trauma at work here and caught like I'm trying to think of the word, like a a good word for it, but just like, I guess racial trauma, intergenerational racial trauma. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack there, which I think is why I found this book fascinating because I love family dynamics. So in therapy, Grace works through trying to let go of this need to please her dad and trying to think about what she, Grace Porter, wants, not Mm -hmm. her parents. Kelly and her mom are getting married soon, and they ask her to officiate, to which she agrees, but is nervous about. Her mom tells her she's proud of her and how well she's been doing since she's been back. Mm -hmm. It's that night that Grace decides to turn her phone back on and text Yuki, I'm here now. Are you there? Which is a callback to her radio show. Yeah. Grace calls Zamina and Agnes and asks them to come down to Florida for the wedding. And as they're catching up, Grace admits to not trying to incorporate Yuki into her life plan and that she thought her best couldn't include her because that would mean settling, but now she's screwed it all up. Which, facts. (laughs) Next, Grace calls Raj and she tells him that he was partially right about her running away when things got hard and asks if it's selfish to think the best job is the one that makes her happy and satisfied. Raj tells her to get that thought right out of her head and that she's never been selfish. (laughs) 
this conversation encourages Grace to email Professor McMillan and ask about that faculty position. So, so we then get the scene of Grace's mom telling her that she wishes she would have showed Grace that she was never second in her life and that sometimes we have to say things that we should have said a long time ago. This spurs Grace to record a message for Yuki where she tells her that she's afraid of being perf. She was afraid of not being perfect and was terrified of not being the best. She tells Yuki she's sorry and that before she left, Yuki asked her what best meant for her and that while she's still learning what that looks like, she knows it means taking care of herself, supporting her friends and family, and it also includes Yuki. No, we. I know. The and it's like so cute because while she's recording, she's like, "I don't know how Yuki does this. Like, you're burying your soul through like recorded message. Like, that's yeah. pretty personal." So we flash forward to the day of the wedding, and Grace is kind of freaking out about this officiating thing. Which, fair, I <laughs> would also not be super down with that. <laughs> Zamina tells her she can do this and that she and Agnes will be sitting right near the front so she can always look to them for support. Obviously, Grace kills it. And now that her job is over, she relaxes a little bit and starts having fun at the reception. But not so fast. (laughs) The colonel shows up. God damn it. (laughs) Everyone is having a great time. And everyone's having a grand old time till you had to come in here. So Grace is obviously defensive when she sees him. Mm-hmm. But the colonel says that he had asked her mom not to say anything to Grace and that he had just wanted to see his daughter and wish her mom the best. They dance together and he says that they're, that he's not going to ask her about anything tonight but, ask, but asks if they can go to lunch together tomorrow. The colonel tells Grace that she did well today and that he's proud of her. We love getting validation. Love it! It's like serotonin up in here. <laughs> As Grace is reeling from this civilized conversation with her dad um, and is telling Agnes and Zamina about it, Zamina remembers she forgot to bring in the other case of champagne. Grace, Damn it, Zamina. <laughs> Grace tells her she could use a minute anyways and she she can just go and do it. And of course, who else is out there but Yuki Yamamoto? Of course! The myth, the legend, (laughs) the icon. They obviously have a heart-to-heart where Yuki tells her that she said yes to her once and hasn't learned to say no since. Oh my god! Oh my god! I know. It's the notebook up in here. It's better though! (laughs) It's the gay notebook up in here. And asks if this whole thing was about being honest and vulnerable and if she's really sorry about leaving her in, um, and New York. Because she left the whole fucking state, yeah. of course. <laughs> Grace tells her that it was all true and that she loves her. And then Yuki apologizes for putting more pressure on her and she shouldn't have expected Grace to have all the answers, but she was so desperately wanting to be one of her answers and w- one of the things she fought for. Grace promises that she'll be there in good times and bad, and then asks her, are you there? Which is cute. Adorable. Yeah, and asks her, like, are you there? Will you stay also? Um, we end this book finding out that Yuki, why Yuki was even in Las Vegas in the first place, <laughs> which she was monster hunting. Um, they had, like, crowdfund- sourced, like, crowdfunded this trip to Las Vegas to search for some monster, and that she was so frustrated that they found nothing that she went out on her last night to have some fun. But instead, she found Grace. 
in the, the real end monster. Of the book. Yeah, literally. That's like basically the implication. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yep. That's so that's, funny. And, and that be the end, folks. Wow. Yeah. That's a great debut, though. That is. It is. I was shocked that it was a debut. I'm trying to see here. I like her little her little blurb is Morgan Rogers is a queer black millennial. She writes books for queer girls who are looking for their place in the world. She lives in Maryland with her pets. Honey <laughs> Girl is her debut novel. It's so cute. It's like so teeny. <laughs> I love that. That's great. But yeah, I found it very interesting because you think it's going to be a romance, but it's really more about uh, fine, uh, family dynamics and coming of age. Mm-hmm. So. And, Coming age novels don't have to be about teenagers. No. We are all finding our age. Yeah. (laughs) Even at 30. Exactly. Ooh, Army Hammer update. Army Hammer. Yes. Oh my God. He's being investigated by the LAPD folks for sexual assault, I think it was. Yeah. Don't you dare fuck this up for us, LAPD. Uh, They've done it in the past, so I wouldn't be surprised. They've done it before. They'll do it again. Um, But oh my God. I know. I think he did it. Well, obviously, I think he did it. But I think he did the murders, I think too. he did it, but I just can't prove it. The wise words of Taylor Swift. Yeah. No body, no crime is bullshit. No body, no crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'm so I, excited. I can't wait to see what they find out about this because he can't get away with this. He can't get... <laughs> he just because he's white get doesn't mean... away me- with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh my god. I I'm shocked and I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. I can't wait to watch the documentary about this when it eventually comes out. I know. Like what are we gonna do when this is all the saga is all over? We're gonna have to find another celebrity to talk about. Yeah. That's fucked up in some major way. We have to start hunt we'll have to start looking now. Right. But I don't think this is gonna end anytime soon. No, I don't think so either. And also, like, I feel like Army Hammer is, like, the perfect celebrity because he's, like, he's, like, uh, he's probably, like, a B-list celebrity, would yeah. you say? Yeah. I don't want, like, an A-list celebrity because they're, like, too famous. Yeah. But I don't want someone that's, like, no one, like, Yeah, nobody only, gives a fuck about. Right. Or, like, people really don't know who that is. Like, yeah. I feel like most people know who Army Hammer is, like, has, like, a passing knowledge of Yeah. Him. Yeah. So, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. Right? So am I. So am I. Oh. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter. Or what? We never introed this. <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> well, I'm Francesca. I'm Alicia. And this is Bookaholics Anonymous, where we intro it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm going to move it to the front. Well, <laughs> it's funnier at the end. And you can find us on Instagram. And Twitter at Bookaholics Pod. And you can find me on Instagram at Francesca Hope and on Twitter at HBI Cheska. And where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads Alicia Reads 13 or on Storygraph Alicia Reads. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye. Bye.